What number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! Welcome to episode 86 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode, it's absolutely huge. The guest is someone I've dreamed of having on this podcast and it feels even weird saying it out loud, but it did happen, it is true. Alex Winter is my guest on the Mark and Me podcast and the interview is coming up very, very soon and I can't wait for you all to check it out. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, you know the score by now, I like to touch base and talk about the last episode. So on episode 85, I was joined by Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella. Amazing filmmakers, amazing directors and great actors. And we got to talk all about one of my favourite films, The Battery, and their most recent release, After Midnight. And the great thing was, we're seeing everyone jumping on board and checking out this interview. Some people were very honest and said they hadn't heard of these films, but with the brand new Arrow release that's out there, they went out, they invested, they've checked out the film and they loved it. So to read all these tweets and emails and Facebook comments that have now discovered these films because of the podcast is a huge honour. So thank you to everyone that took the time to listen and it really does mean a lot. And I've shared the feedback with both Jeremy and Christian and they've been absolutely thrilled too. But let's talk about today's episode. This is huge. Alex Winter, for me, an amazing actor, an unbelievable person. And they sometimes say, don't meet your heroes. But when I met him, he was everything I could ask for and even better. He was very generous with his time. And I was lucky enough to sit down face to face and do this interview. I think I first discovered Alex in The Lost Boys, which I think is one of the best films out there. Easily one of my favourite vampire and horror films. And we all know (laughs) Bill and Ted. It doesn't need any more kind of introduction than that. One of the best films out there. I love the sequel and I can't believe as we sit here right now we've just had the trailer for the third film after all these years and it's going to be absolutely awesome. But let's kind of get straight to it now. I've teased you enough and I think it's time to listen to me and Alex. This is Face to Face at the For Love of Horror Comic Con back in Manchester in October and I can't wait for you to listen. So here it is. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. Dust, win, dude. I'm in Manchester here for the love of horror. Yeah. And I'm with the one and only Alex Winter. (laughs) How's it going, my friend? It's going well. We've, uh, we did this crazy Lost Boys reunion and a lot of us haven't seen each other since we shot the movie. I was there today in the queue with my friend. He bought a ticket to get a photo of you all. And I was watching when you first met up today and the hugs and the embracing. And I thought, I don't think these guys have seen each other since the 80s. Yeah, some of us, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Kiefer and Jason, um, but we haven't, A, we haven't all been together ever. No. um, Since we shot the movie. And some of us hadn't seen each other. I hadn't seen Chance Corbett since he was a little kid. That's crazy. Yeah, it was sweet. 
Did you expect such a big response? Obviously, it's a cult film that everyone loves, but the response today when I'm walking around is absolutely insane. Yeah, people have been um, have been incredibly enthusiastic. I mean, I'm aware that the film, you know, has had this longevity, which we're very grateful for, and you yeah. never expect that with a movie that you make. You really don't. It sounds like kind of BS modesty, but you don't know what a film's going to do, no. whether it's going to be successful at all, uh, much less be remembered in a year or two from after you've made it. So, yeah, it's been really sweet. I, I do know that we have a big fan base, um, and you know, I know that in, U in the UK that there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. For the listeners out there that are not aware of your early work and stuff, tell me about when you were growing up. What was it that made you want to be an actor? I was a child actor. So, yeah. So yeah. you knew early on, was it your parents' influence or did you want to... It was a mixture. I mean, my parents weren't really enthusiastic about me going into like professional acting, but I was very interested in it and uh, they were in the arts. I was born in London and we moved to the States when I was fairly young. Uh, my parents were dancers. Oh, okay. And my mom... My mother taught dance at a university in the Midwest, and so I was always on stage in whatever performance they were doing. And then I ended up starting acting professionally uh, when I was around nine. Um, by 12, 13, I was on Broadway, and I was on Broadway all through my teens uh, in two long-running shows back-to-back -back for years. And then I ended up doing uh, the movies and stuff. But I, I, my interest, my greatest interest was always writing and directing, so... Uh, I went to film school for college and then ended up acting in Bill and Ted and Lost Boys actually after film school. Wow. So you originally yeah. wanted to be a director? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been directing since uh, the 80s. Yeah. So what was it you were watching as a kid that made you want to get into film? Were there certain movies you remember that you uh, loved? Sure, yeah. I, what, what, I mean, you kind of ingest everything when you're little. But, um, you know, because my mother worked at university and I was there all the time, yeah. um, I was always going to watch big movies at the, the university. So I got the things that really sparked me when I was young were like Chaplin, a lot of silent movies, Chaplin, Keaton, and then uh, early Hitchcock, sort of British Hitchcock era. Those foundations are the best. You can yeah. get a better blueprint than Hitchcock yeah. and Chaplin. Yeah. Wow. And, it, and I was super young and I was just really sparked by that. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, the theater department at the it was Washington University in St. Louis is a very good theater department. So I was doing Shakespeare plays. I was doing pretty you know uh, pretty interesting theater um, and watching pretty interesting films as well as ingesting just all the yeah. crap that's on TV. Um, so I was very you know I had a, a desire to to make movies and and write stories from when I was pretty young. So you mentioned your parents. Um, my parents, when I wanted to get into film and stuff, it's kind of a fear for a parent because they want you to go and get the business degree or they want to get the economics and get a proper job. But were your parents supportive or did you find that it was quite a battle? No, they were supportive. Uh, I went to NYU Film School, which is yeah. a very good film school. And, um, and I really I got an enormous amount out of that experience. And uh, they knew that I was headed to the, for the arts when I was super young. Yeah. Uh, and they also knew that I had a strong work ethic, so, and I was working professionally, and I paid my way through college yeah. um, by doing the Broadway work. So uh, I think they they saw that I was gonna, you know, uh, take care of myself. I think is when you have kids, because I have kids, that's sort of what yeah. you know. Whatever they're gonna do is, uh, are they are they interested slash capable of actually taking care of themselves? Yeah. Um, I think my parents saw it as pretty independent, so they weren't overly concerned. But um, 
but yeah, you know, it certainly wasn't the world they came from. They came from a very different end of the arts as well. Yeah. So. So then you talked about how you got this role in Lost Boys and obviously the big, big role of Bill and Ted. Was that the point when you thought acting is going to take the priority over directing at this point? No, it was the opposite. After Bill and Ted, I literally fired my acting agents and quit acting. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, no. What happened was uh, I was super grateful to get those roles and yeah. they were really fun. And I like doing physical work, whether it's comedy or drama. I like very physical acting. Um, but uh, by the time I was doing Bill and Ted even... Uh, I, my directing career was already beginning to happen. I was directing commercials and music videos at a big company in LA, uh, and I was directing clean through both Bill and Ted movies. So uh, by the time the Bill and Ted movies were done, and, and Freaked was actually, which I did after Bill and Ted Two, which is the last big acting job I did. Um, but that was I did that with my directing partner, yeah. and we had our own TV show on MTV by then that we were writing and directing, and our career was going very well. Uh, so I just told I was it was friendly with my agents, but I was just like I, I don't really want to yeah. I don't want to do the acting piece anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to focus on writing and directing for a while. I mean, I knew I would come back to yeah. acting. Um, I've been training the whole time. I've worked with really good acting trainers over the last twenty years, um, and it helps my my writing. But uh, at that period of my life, I've been acting so long. I've been acting since I was nine. Yeah, you had I just enough. needed a break. Yeah. I just needed to stop being in front of the camera and have a bit of normalcy um, and so it was healthy it was a good thing to do I mean directing music videos that's a, how a lot of filmmakers start I'm always you know people like Edgar Wright you saw they're still doing it now because they've got a love for it do you still enjoy that do you watch because I think it's a shame now that when you watch any sort of MTV or anything no one makes a music video like I always remember stuff like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana yeah. and Soundgarden, and now there's not that artistic, decent video anymore. It lacks. Well, the the problem is that uh, you know, the the market, the platform for, M yeah. for videos died. There's so no, there's no money anymore. In the yeah, there's no yeah. there was no MTV. No. It doesn't exist. So it doesn't exist doing videos. So uh, really big, certain big acts, certain big rap acts or big pop acts will do them and put them out on YouTube as yeah. pure promotion. But this notion of a of an in industry built around music videos doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, and I was I was happy that I got to experience the heyday. I made videos from about eighty eighty six to ninety six, which is the prime, and it was really yeah. great. And I was doing it at propaganda in L A. and then propaganda in the U K. and then we formed our own company here in London, and I was doing them here out of my own company for a while. And it was really great. It was yeah. very creatively liberating. I learned a lot. I worked with incredible talent in terms of production designers and DPs. And uh, it's kind of where I cut my teeth. Yeah. Um, so I miss it on some level. On another level, I don't. It's uh, The work, type of work I do, directing-wise, is so different from that. It's, it's not really... I mean, with Edgar Wright, his, the style of his filmmaking is very prone. Yeah. And the stuff he does in the music video space you know, currently is really great. Um, and very emblematic of what he does in the narrative space. Yeah. I don't really do that kind of thing. What's some of the film directors that you're really fond of now in the modern day? Obviously, you've had some great foundations, but who's the people you really <coughs> respect in the industry that if they bring out a film, you're there on day one? Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there are, there's an enormous amount of people I feel that way about. Um, you know, I do a lot of documentaries. People like Laura Poitras uh, yeah. are, are amazing. I've gotten to work with her. She's produced a couple things that I've done. Um, you know, the Coen brothers, I'm always interested in what they're doing. David Lynch, I'm always interested in, 
you know, and then there are filmmakers who are, um, you know, uh, perhaps less known, um, Lucretia Martel, some of the sort of more artier end of the, yeah. the spectrum. I'm always, you know, interested to see what they're, what they're doing. So, um, I mean, there's great filmmaking going on right now, and the, the industry has changed enormously because of streaming and because the bottom kind of dropped out of, out yeah. of adult you know, movies for grown-ups, basically. I love the fact as well now that if you're a filmmaker, you can make a decent film in your bedroom. You know, one of the films that stays with me is Monsters, mm-hmm. um, and it's just made on a very low budget. He did it all himself and After Effects and stuff like this, and I'm sitting there thinking, this is incredible. If you want to be a filmmaker, you can do it on an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, I talked to films. That's what Sean Baker literally did. He did an incredible job with Tangerine. Yeah. Um, I love the Florida Project, too, but Tangerine's really, really groundbreaking. Um... I talk to film schools. I go back to NYU a lot, and the, and the kids will ask me, you know, what are we going to do? It seems so daunting, and it, it is daunting. But the, you know, the means of production are at your fingertips now. And yeah. when I came out of NYU, it, making films like we did, my directing partner and I, it was so expensive. You yeah. know, buying film, processing film. Could you afford a fade? Could you afford to dissolve? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it was unbelievably, you know, it was all analog and super expensive, and it was prohibitive. It really yeah. was much more classicist. It really, if you couldn't afford all of that that kit, you couldn't do it. Um, you know, and it's still classicist to a degree in, in the sense that, you know, you do need probably a phone and, and a laptop or access to some form of editing, but that's a much, you know, that's much less expensive than what it was costing us to get cameras and lights and process film and all of that. I mean, you've been there, you've been doing stage work, you've done acting, you've been in some huge films, you've done directing. <sighs> what have you got left that you want to do there? Is there anything else that you're thinking? I just like telling stories. So, yeah. you know, I like, I'm really happy with where things are right now. I have a production company in LA and we make mostly documentaries and I'm really happy making my docs. I write, um, the stories I tend to write tend to be similar to the docs. I tend to be in the, uh, either nonfiction space or narrative dramas based on true events, yeah. which tends to be the thing I like. Um, but you know, I've I've wanted to return to some form of acting on the on kind of my terms for a little while. So Bill and Ted Three has given me an opportunity to do that, um, and uh, it was very satisfying because it was exactly the kind of acting I like to do. It was very physical. It was character based. I'm playing multiple versions. Of myself and so I'm old I'm young I'm you know many different sort of iterations so it was uh, a fun way to kind of you flex those muscles again so I would do a little bit more of that I may even do some theater acting again in theater at some point down the road I mean if the listeners out there would probably murder me if I didn't talk about Bill and Ted so the announcement for you guys broke the internet it was insane there's always this talk for years and years <laughs> You know, you get pictures of Keanu Reeves, oh, he might be doing it, and it's always about... Yeah. And then you officially went out there and went, we're here, we're doing it. And yeah. I, I'll be honest, I was like, no fucking way! <laughs> like, finally! Yeah. What was it like going back? Was it like you'd never been away? Yeah, it kind of was. Uh, you know, Keanu and I see, see a lot of each other, yeah. so that was... That was that made it a lot easier. Yeah. There's a familial aspect to, A, doing it with him. He's like a brother, basically. The two writers were all very close, the producer very close... 
a lot of the same crew came back. Even makeup effects people were the same. That's amazing. Um, so it was a very communal, easy, familial environment to work in. Yeah. Um, we developed the story from the ground up going back a dozen years. That's so, amazing. Uh, Keanu, myself, Chris Matheson, and Ed Solomon um, all put that together. Uh, and, uh, and worked very hard to get it off the ground. So um, it was satisfying to, uh, to see it actually get done. Um, and, you know, we put a lot of work into finding these guys at this age. We yeah. were cavalier about it. It was a lot of prep that went in, a lot of training, acting training that went in. Um, but the, the essence of the characters were, were still there. That's so, good. <laughs> so uh, I think for both of us, that felt pretty natural. Because sometimes they've left these films too long, so like Anchorman and stuff, because there's such a long gap, sort of 10, 15 years. For me, it's too long, and I, mm. I sit there and I'm like, it doesn't feel like it has the same spark. Yeah. Even Breaking Bad recently, the film came out, and it's only been five years or four years, but it feels like these characters aren't the same. So to try and recreate those dudes from yeah. you know, 80s and 90s must be really tough. Well, you know what, and I don't know how the film will do, so it doesn't speak to the marketability or the, or the commerciality of it, but I can tell you from a, from a performative standpoint and a conceptual standpoint, I actually always felt like the longer we waited, the better, Yeah. because the, the comic conceit of this movie is the fact that we're middle-aged. Yeah. It is the fact that we're not too... <laughs> Dudes too, anymore. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're dads, we're husbands, we're in the real world. Cool. So the conceit is, you know, how do these guys function in regular yeah. in the regular world, and what is the regular world done to them? Um, so if the movie works, I think it will work because of that gap, and um, you know, and if it doesn't, maybe people won't find it funny enough. But we were laughing, so we'll see. Hopefully, other people will laugh. So I would have dreamt to be on set with those people because it must have been absolutely phenomenal with these people just sitting there and having the best time. Mm -hmm. um, my last question for you today is. For the people out there that are trying to get into the film industry, uh, you've been there, you've done that, you've done all of the sort of work. What advice do you give to these people? I mean, I think that that a lot has changed because of, of the technology is mostly additive. Yeah, it mostly makes it easier. Um, so the kind of there are two kind of core things that you have to keep in mind. I think one is is the level of work ethic is. A lot of people talk about how lucky you have to be in the business. I, I don't. I really think it's about persistence and working hard. If you're willing to just continually work hard, you will probably make, um, you know, make your way into the business on some level and sustain something in the business. But the other thing, it all comes down to story, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter the technology. It doesn't matter what tools you've got. You have to learn how to tell stories and tell stories that have you know resonance with other human beings. And if you can do that, then yeah, you can do that on your iPhone. Yeah. You know, and and you can do that on your iPhone, and you can you can clutter bust. You can actually do something that makes a dent. And what does make a dent is is a good story. Yeah. So I think it's it's really being willing to work work hard. It is it is that's. What usually knocks people out of the business is usually this the realization fairly early on that it's it's drudgery, man. It's, yeah, and, and and I mean that in a positive way because I love doing it, but it's hard. Yeah, people it's, think uh, there's a line of hard work, but they don't realize how much it actually takes to get over that line. And yeah. I think some people's conception of hard work is oh, I might have to work a few extra hours. No, you have to give everything to it for it to even take off yeah and it's relentless I mean yeah. you know Reeves and I were sitting on the set of Bill and Ted and you know we both work hard and we both been in business a long time we looked at each other at one point because we'd worked very hard to get the film made we were like 
this is hard. Yeah. Like we're like our bodies were tired, our brains were tired, like we were tired. You know, it was hard, you know, to get that right. And day after day after day, we rehearsed every weekend. We didn't stop. And uh, we're getting older as well. I don't well, mind I mean, that, my arms sure. ache, my legs yeah. ache, my back hurts. I'm like, oh Completely. my god. Well, that's there's that as well. But it, it's there's a relentlessness to sort of choosing a life in this industry yeah. for sure. And that a lot of people just say it's not worth it at a certain point. And if you stay in it, usually is because that's what you want to do badly enough. I, I really appreciate your time today and I can't wait for next year because it's going to blow up and everyone <laughs> is going to be talking about you and Bill and Ted I can I just know it man it's going to have that magic it's going to be fucking awesome and I can't Great. wait thank you thanks I appreciate it so there it is there's my interview with me and Alex Winter what an amazing guest what a great interview and such a great guy and so generous with his time it was a non-stop weekend for him at the Comic-Con. He was signing, doing photos, being part of the huge Lost Boys reunion. And honestly, to give me that time means the absolute world. And a massive, huge thank you to the For Love of Horror for allowing me to the Comic-Con and having that time. And a massive shout-out to Amy for giving me this interview and this opportunity. It means so much, and I'm forever in debt with you now, and I'll be buying you drinks for life. But genuinely, thank you so much. I hope you've all enjoyed the interview today and I can't wait and I'm sure you're sitting here the same as me after watching the trailer for Bill and Ted 3 to check it out. It looks an amazing film and to see him and Keanu Reeves back on screen after all these years and you know what they've aged really well. It looks great, it looks funny and it looks like it has the magic that we got from the first couple of films so honestly it's probably my most anticipated film of the year. And who knows, I might have more interviews in the pipeline with this film coming out, but I won't say anything and ruin any surprises just yet. Again, if you've not checked out For the Love of Horror, it's a great Comic-Con. This is where I conducted the interview. They've got an event again this year. They've got some amazing guests lined up for Jaws already. Last year was Lost Boys, and I'm excited. So check them out, get some tickets, go along. It's the best con I've been to in the UK, and it's really well organised with great, great people, and you'll love it. I want to dedicate this episode today to a few friends because it's such a big episode for me. So my good friend and huge Lost Boys fan, Martin Street, I know you're listening to this right now and absolutely loving it. He came with me to do this interview and he's such a good friend, so this one's for you. And I can't not dedicate this to some of the biggest Bill and Ted fans in the world out there. Matt, Emma and Harley, this one's for you. Stay excellent, be excellent and just carry on being awesome. I'll speak to you all again in a few days' time with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening and take care. Heavy metal! <laughs>